we've all known restaurants with 1 2 and 3 michelin stars and they've become the kind of standard that people across the world use to evaluate restaurants and chefs and cuisines but who hands out these stars and how does it all come into being that's what the first post in today's episode is about the inspectors behind michelin stars why did a tire company become the world's standard for hot cuisine michelin assumed correctly that if more people travel to eat out they would replace their tires more often and increase the company's business over time they started out by awarding stars to restaurants back in 1900 and that became so popular they had to appoint a series of inspectors to assess food quality and see if standards were being maintained one would assume that gorging on great food all day long would be one of the most sought after jobs in the world but most inspectors don't last beyond 5 years the punishing schedule the inevitable weight gain and the constant stress of assessing restaurants is not for the faint hearted there are several articles about the michelin star chefs but practically none about the inspectors that is probably by design the company did not want inspectors to be treated differently by the management so as to get favorable reviews michelin inspectors are solidly grounded in the science and the art of food they have to pass rigorous tests to qualify and the initial assessments are done along with a senior inspector but they aren't rich and could not afford to eat at these restaurants regularly if they weren't on the job their capacity to eat and distinguish between the balance of flavors presentations and consistency is key a tire company setting the standards that chefs worldwide aspire to is an aberration the recognition can make and break restaurants but another thought comes to mind we need to be told what our taste buds should feel <laughs> and now moving on to the conventions of a category bankers are serious but stand up comedians are humorous it's almost as if the business you're in dictates how you conduct yourself which brings us to the question and the second post should business reporting be serious every business has conventions to a large extent they are also an extension of the tried and tested ways of the category if you met a banker who cracked jokes every couple of minutes you may enjoy the banter but somewhere at the back of your mind the question arises does this guy take things seriously and should i be parking my money here in a recent post i touched upon how the news readers from a few generations ago were the strong silent types who would only crack smiles with a greeting at the beginning and while signing off but with hundreds of news and business channels fighting for attention how do channels differentiate good analysis and articulation are essential but then you switch channels because you're looking for more than just presentation skills and programs from john oliver this week tonight as well as john stewart's the daily show now presented by trevor noah may be slotted as comedic takes on news but the viewership is massive that's probably promoting a rethink at business channels apart from taking a stand on certain issues and leaning to the right or the left it does not bode well for the neutral mode that business reporting is supposed to stay in take a look 
at the Australian Business Reporter talking about the recent GameStop controversy. It's by no means all charts and graphs, but actually has elements of drama and innuendo. It looks like the ratings game is forcing the hand of business channels and transforming the way business is reported. And from business, we go back in time to a street in the early part of the 20th century. The final post in this episode, Walk Down a Street from 1914. You'll experience the joy of a visual stroll down memory lane. What's amazing about this set of black and white photographs is how the photographer captured them. In Brooklyn, he shot a series to depict the street a way a person walking down the street would see it. It's as if he knew it would be a permanent record for posterity. Back then, street photography had not been invented. These photographs have been captured 50 meters apart, and the work involved in getting them certainly have been stupendous. Nothing was an auto mold. He would have had to set up the tripod and expose the frame for the right amount of time to get it right. And while some people would have been curious, most would not bother. The shop signs, clothes, the merchandising and the atmosphere make an unforgettable impression. There's already a billboard up at a vantage point for mobile oils. In every era, advertising makes an appearance and establishes a beachhead. Plastic had not been invented, so all the street signs are in metal and clamped to lampposts or erected outside buildings. Horse-drawn carriages are parked along with some of the early automobiles, the transition phase. Apart from shops selling cutlery, there's even an elevated train track, but traffic jams were still a few decades away, thankfully. It's a series where you can spend a lot of time poring over the little details. Take a walk with your mouse. Every week... I'll plant a few ideas in your mind on branding, behavior, and markets. Triggers for your thoughts. Spread the word to your friends. All you have to do is click the link and enter an email address. And on these audio journeys, I'd like to know what your impressions are, what you think, what your comments are, and what your views. Please do write in and let me know. And thank you, as always, for listening.